and welcome to the Glitch Text Rewatch podcast. We're so excited to have you joining us today for episode five, Castle Crawl. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and we have not one, not two, but four awesome guests joining us for today's episode. So please go ahead and introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Gabe Swore. I was a consultant on the show really early on, the writing part of it. That's awesome. Hey, I'm Ricardo Rutel, and I'm the voice of High Five. Hi, I'm Katie Shaughnessy. I was a PA and production coordinator on Glitch Text. Hey, I'm Sandeep Parikh, and I, was, uh, I wrote this episode as a writer on the show. And I did a voice, too. Oh, Hanish, who does not appear in this episode. Very cool. Thank you all for being here. So, Sandeep, I want to start with you. So, this episode is great and i'm not just saying that because you're the guest on this episode but really really enjoyed it to all the guests i say that to all the guests so just wanted to find out what was the impetus for this episode one of the things we did early on were just throw up a bunch of games that we thought we wanted to see in the show on a board like a whiteboard and castlevania was was always up there and you know, when Dan went around the room, was like, so start picking which games you guys are interested in exploring. You know, that was always one that that I really was drawn to. Funny because I never beat that game. <laughs> I just loved the look and the feel of that game. Well, I shouldn't say the feel. Actually, it was the most frustrating game to play, but it was just so memorable to me as that, as the game that annoyed me the most, but I thought was so visually cool. And so we put that into the kind of into the script itself. And as you'll see in the show, you know, that theme of playing a game or having that game that you just never could beat to the extent that you would lie about about that uh, plays as a theme in the episode. Sandeep, that's crazy because when I was meeting with Dan and and uh, Eric about this, like that was my exact same story, too. But it was, mine was with Castlevania think, 3. Okay. Yeah, so you're, just, you're just showing off that you're younger than me. Got it. Um, <laughs> no, I, it, it's the same thing. And I loved Symphony of the Night. Is that the one that you couldn't beat? Was it was the, of the, night? the original NES Castlevania? Did it have a subtitle? I don't. Maybe it did. I think it was Symphony of the Night. Was I think that night? was. It was just that... so. I just remember, like, I guess coming from Mario and the sort of mechanics of Mario, and I was like, that's how all of these games should feel. And then. The like, I don't know if it was just the delay on uh, how the character reacted to your button presses, but I just remember being so frustrated I could never get the timing down. And I think that's a pretty universal feeling. Yeah. Like a lot exactly. Of it, it, would have, it would have been either Castlevania 1, 2, or 3 were on NES, so it was one of those. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, then, I'm sure it was the first one. Yeah, and Symphony yeah. of the Night was PlayStation, so that came yeah, much later, and that's what this show is basically based on, Symphony of the Night. Right. And it's funny because I had the same thing. My friend played Symphony of the Night later and I played it, but I played it the whole way through and he only played it halfway through and he never knew the true ending. So that I told Dan and Eric that and they're just like, what, what, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, <laughs> so then I guess that's how, that's what made it into yeah. the script too. Cause that, like my friend yes. was just like, I was like, use the goggles, use the goggles. And he's like, what are you talking about? That sounds so stupid. I'm like, dude, just do it. It's like, oh my gosh, just, I was only halfway through the game, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that was like Kingdom Hearts for me as a kid. I could not beat Kingdom Hearts. And I finally beat it as an adult a year ago. 
but it was the biggest struggle of my life. A lot of it was to do with where you would respawn after you died. It would set you so far back and you would just give up. I played Symphony of the Night when Dan had it at the office and I remember like getting so far and then dying and it would yeah. respawn me in places so much farther back and I'd give up because I'd be like, I did so much work. I'm not about to redo all that again. Um, 100%. I mean, I, I wanted to play it too. So I, I would I would pop into our, that little corner office area where we had had all the games and I played for like 30 minutes and then exactly the same thing, respawned way too early. And I was like, I can't, I'm just gonna watch yeah. playthroughs. Like I cannot <laughs> yeah. go through this. I'm too, I'm just too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> Ricardo, did anything like this ever happen to you? Or for the character of five, like, Ricardo beats what all the did games. you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, this episode is, just, is crazy. And I remember that little game corner in the office. And I just remember going to visit you guys. And it just this game really does remind me of, I remember playing Tomb Radar back on like PlayStation 1. And the button delay is so real. And it's really frustrating. And so, I mean, I totally relate with you guys on that. In this episode, you do see kind of how frustrating it is to get through this map. It just never ends. It's like, never you're ends. almost there. I feel like that's, <laughs> everyone has that game. Everyone has that thing. I mean, me, I didn't really play a whole, whole lot of video games with Bugs Bunny's birthday blowout, which I feel just took like 18 <laughs> so million like, hours. Game, is that a Game Boy Color game? That sounds like a Game no, Boy Color. No, game. it was an NES game that I finally did beat it, but I remember I had to play it for like seven hours straight. And finally, just, and at the very end, it's just the Tasmanian devil throwing footballs at you. And I remember just getting to the end, just going, what? What are we doing? It's like, it's like the Bowser. It's like the, their version of Bowser at the end of Mario is like Tasmanian devil throwing like footballs or something. I feel like everything just gets reskinned, essentially, yeah. with the older game. Just like, how can we, okay, just do, just do like a layer of this. Okay, it's good. Send it out. But seven hours is pretty good. It took me like 20 years to beat Castlevania 3. So like, yeah. I, I, went, I got back in and I played it until I beat it. It took months, but I did I had it. a lot more time as a very small child. It's like, I'm just going to sit here until this is done. All of us can relate because it is, it is definitely a thing. And it's a thing for Five and Miko, which is one of the best aspects of this episode. So let's get into it. So this is season one, episode five. Go ahead and go over the synopsis here. So Miko and High Five arrive at a house where other glitch techs have gone missing and walk right into a familiar game full of surprises. So for those at home, you know the drill now. I'm going to count to three. So not before three, not after three, but right at the count of three, we have Netflix set to zero, zero, zero. You'll press play at home and then you can watch it along with us as we talk about it. So all together now, one, two, three. Got the Netflix logo. We're oh, live. We Let's do live. this. We're in it. We're inside the show. That's right. <laughs> Zooming into the game now. And I just like the creepy yeah. horror movie feel of this intro. Yeah, yeah this so. was <laughs> this this scene went through a bunch of iterations. It went through a bunch of characters too. I remember we like tried out different characters and then in the end Nix and Sussman were like oh we just love this duo Josh is great he's such a great voice actor he's so, so good yeah oh he's like gosh, he's so amazing. unique he, you know? he sounds exactly like that in real life it's not like <laughs> yeah. he's putting he's not affecting <laughs> yeah. a voice that yeah. is what he sounds like
Yeah, that's the fun thing because there's, you know, you have a lot of voice actors who've been doing this for a while, and then you had a lot of people on the show that did dual roles. Mm-hmm. So I know, Sandeep, I know that your character is not in this one, but... Yeah, he didn't make how- the cut. Um, even though I wrote the episode, <laughs> he didn't make the cut. I mean, yeah. he is technically a statue in the episode. That is true. He does, that's right, he's got his cameo. Um, the funny thing <laughs> is, Greg Nix and Josh Sussman literally, this is just them. They they yep. they look like this. Like <laughs> I just want to say that that Ricardo, think, you know, basically took my took my. I try, I tried out for high five. I auditioned. I I auditioned for a high five. Really? And they were like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, not oh, you. We we, so we got someone better. We <laughs> so we had a guy opportunity to like to duke it out right now on the podcast. Uh, no, I'm so happy that <laughs> Ricardo's voice is high five. It's so good. Thanks, man. <laughs> It's seriously such a blast being on this show, and I love this episode. This episode's amazing. Ricardo, did you start wearing your hair like that after you started doing the voice? My hair's been pretty tall. It's been pretty (laughs) tall, so I think they got inspiration from me. (laughs) Something that feels like we know how to style the character. Yeah. I think Josh Sussman's hair is bigger than that, though, actually, right? <laughs> yeah, it was too, it was too unbelievable as a, an animated character. <laughs> yeah, you had to pull it back. Yeah. Yeah, and I like this, too. This yeah. Scott Curry, just like, yeah, y- y'all weren't first or second or third. Y- you were just, okay, this is yeah. pretty much how we got. You were like so, the backup, backup, backup team. That's, it's yeah. so funny, like, that's like one of the first jokes I think I wrote into it, and those never survive um <laughs> so whenever a, like an original joke survives it's such a like little badge of honor <laughs> is it like a gauntlet of fire where you're just tossing in jokes and they're just like no 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 and then finally pretty yes. much <laughs> that oh i love that bit om squee <laughs> uh, my girlfriend's little sisters like love love that line every time mm-hmm. they hear it they're like freaking oh. out they they say it like every day this, this is one of my favorite gags and i remember even <laughs> in the animatic stages. This used to make me laugh so hard. It, yeah. It's so <laughs> great. It's, it's perfect though. Like visually it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. It, like really, really explains yeah. this, sets up the map. whole yeah. mapping thing. No map. Map? Nope. She's just so excited. Just so happy to see this. And I was like, if us. I was in this situation, I would totally be <laughs> being like, oh my God, look. <laughs> this yeah. is one of those like, in script, I was like, I have no idea how you guys are going to visualize this. And it's just so much better oh, <laughs> than yeah. I would imagine. Shout out to Cesar Martinez, who did oh, a man. lot of these backgrounds. And he is He's sick. He mm. is like the king of BG layout. Oh, this is the shot that when they showed it uh, in the animatics, we were like, how do we do this? Like, what do we like just showing that like underlay of like the house and the castle? Mm-hmm. But uh, our overseas studio figured it out. It's great. <laughs> they found their first victim. Oh, Bergie. Yeah, and I like the gag too. I mean, <laughs> I know it doesn't come till the end, but he's like, Was I in a cool pose? And they're like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The callback, yeah. <laughs> Talk about best intro ever. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> now, oh, and now. And and now this is going to be in my head for the next week. (laughs) I I remember there was a period of time where they had talked about not having lyrics for the opening. And I remember being kind of bummed out. And then when they finally picked this as the opening, 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because a lot of my lines. He's okay. He's okay. Like were recorded when I was like so much younger. I was like, because we've been in this for like four years. And so I was like, <laughs> like puberty hit me. And so I had to like raise my voice up higher later. <laughs> so I can, I can tell when like my voice is so high and when it's like me now, it's so funny. You're like a little higher, more octave, more octave. We're like, how about this? Yeah. Did you and Monica record together? Yeah, we did. We recorded together a couple of times and uh, it's, it's like, it's such a blast because you know, most of the time we go in by ourselves and stuff, but when you do it together, you just get that chemistry and you get that, you know, and you get, you slam through the lines and stuff. It's just a lot of fun. Feed off each other. Yeah, totally. Feed off each other's energy. Are y'all ever able to do any improv at all? Or would that just be way too tough for like timelines and that kind of thing? No, you know what? I, that's what I loved about doing glitch text. Cause I mean, it's, it's a lot different from a live action where I don't know. And the live action experiences I've had, they don't really want you to do improv, but in glitch text, they love improv. So I remember just, just doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff, crazy like screams. And it was a, it was a lot of fun. All right. Sandy, uh, you really nailed this dialogue. It's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Like Symphony of the Night is amazing. I can't take all the credit. This is definitely also Dan getting in there and <laughs> doing his thing. You, you almost got sued over this basically. How close it is. <laughs> Luckily, I have no assets, so it's fine. They can sue me <laughs> for nothing. I just remember walking into the studio and like everyone just freaking out about how gorgeous he is, Count Nogrog, and just like he looks beautiful. All of his anime sparkles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he makes having snake hair look real good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's normally a very, very big problem. Oh man, this castle. We spent so long trying to figure out how it worked. Like the layout and the design team was just like, where are the rooms? Like, how does this place function? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, is it more like is... uh, The Shining where it's just I'm like, so sorry. there's no way, there's no way it can <laughs> uh, actually work. But it's perfect. Like you guys did an amazing job. It's perfect. Yeah, it really is. It's it's like you hit all the notes of Symphony of the Night. Like there's a there's literally a library yeah. there. You know what it I mean? Is. Like you hit all the notes perfectly. This this library was painted by our BG painter Susan Young, and it is to this day one of my favorite BG paints in the show. It's just so pretty. I just love how you you know in the writers' room we come up with such a silly dumb pun like skeletons, <laughs> and then you turn it into these awesome creatures. And it just, I don't know, again, looks so much better than what I had ever envisioned. <laughs> I, I'm always so torn about whether I'm like a Miko or five gamer. Cause like, I'm very like, like brash and like, you know, like when I play video games, I'm very like button mashy, but I also love to like collect all the loot. Like I'm very like completionist. <laughs> you, you can be both, you can be, that's a spectrum. You can be both Miko and five, yeah. I think that's allowed. I probably err on the side of Miko though. I, I'm not a completionist guy. I'm a completionist because yeah. everything I, is so shiny. It's like, you never know yeah. what you can trade all that in for. I, I'm a completionist till I get so frustrated that I stop playing. Mm -hmm. That's like the thing is like, you gotta collect all the loot. You never know what it could do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Even well, especially in this game, like there's so yeah, much this, worthless stuff. Episode, that's 
important. Yeah, and I do like the I gag that was right sequences. before of uh, the little treasure chest that you can't ever get to that you think, because mm -hmm. that I feel like every game has that where it's like, uh -oh. oh yeah, the, the one that is, ring or whatever is in a weird place. That is so Zelda-esque. Like, exact, I feel like Zelda yeah. games, man. That's exactly where we, I think, I, I pulled that from at least when I was writing it for in my brain. Yeah, was, the amount of Zelda games I would play I as a kid so and Zelda. see a chest like in the corner and be yep. like, how do I get to it? <laughs> and of course you had to like, you know, you'd have like 15 hearts before you could ever even get to yeah. that chest. And it just, you had to like, it just or you had to like flip the walls you. upside down. Like you had to like yeah. raise the water levels. Like it was yeah. always something. Mm -hmm. I love this whole sequence coming up right now. It's yeah. so good. I just like that you're just trying to play it real slick of, oh yeah, I've mm -hmm. done this before. I know how this works. It's fine. It's totally fine. Hey, Sandeep, like, like, Dan had like a kind of like a like a formula for like how the plots worked for this show. And I was always curious, like you guys always stuck to kind of like it feels like there's so many more story beats in the show than other shows. And I was I was curious to know like what was the breakdown for that? In this episode in particular, you mean? Yeah, like it like you know how it's one? usually like bottom of the second act and that kind of stuff, but it feels like there's more beats before you get to the bottom of the second act in the show. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um you know, in general we tried to follow story circle which if folks aren't familiar is um just the hero's journey it's like based on a jo joseph campbell's hero's journey in general but i think the challenge for this is that we had sort of two journeys going on at once we had both five and miko with their core issues um you know f five lying about being the game and then miko's pride about having beat it but then realizing she only half beat it um, and so weaving both of those together, I think forced us to really pack in a lot of story. Yeah, it feels like like when they meet up emotionally is like super rewarding in this episode, mm -hmm. you know? When those two stories like really meet up. It took a lot of breaking and re-breaking, I think. Um, it feels like it's design. structurally super tough. That's the thing about Dan, that. man. He's like, let's try something new. Let's keep, let's keep pushing and... Um, it was always challenging and ultimately rewarding. <laughs> I love when these I love that stuff. That's amazing. Great poses. And she matched like my ha wa ha like perfectly. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> ah, <that laughs> special pose. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that montage sequence is great. <laughs> when Miko's just like taking pictures. What, what, yeah. Like was was stuff like that? I can't remember. Was that in in the uh, in the boards? Um, those little like special pose cutaways. Oh yeah, that was for sure. I'm. I think this one was. Oh my gosh, who boarded this one? I want to say Ben Choi was one of the board artists on this. And uh, that's just like yeah, that just shows the collaboration it takes oh. to. Complete Michael, episode and... Michael Fong might have done this one. Yeah, we had some really great board artists. I would say like, they added honestly, so many like, jokes. They added so many moments that- Such that a talented elevated. board team on our show. Like, and they, yeah. yeah, they wrote like jokes in and they did such great boarding. I, I oh. was in the board pitch for this one and it was just like, man, when they, yeah. when, ever they did, every time they did this character, they went all 
all in for like the poses and the stage. Yeah. And everything. Oh, I love it. Like, this, this, this shot right there. I love it. <laughs> this was um actually a freelancer we had. His name is Sheldon Vela. Uh, I believe he's an Australian board artist. And uh, he drew the most insane storyboards I've ever seen. Like we would get his boards in and be like, this is animated. Like it's done. <laughs> Sheldon, I'm very familiar with his work. Yeah. He's, I was also impressed good. by that. This, this is my first time on an animated series, um, you know, of this caliber. And just seeing the, the uh, you know, when, when, when I always heard the term, you know, boards or animatics, I always expected something way more rudimentary than what we'd end up seeing. <laughs> it was yeah, like, I mean, the bar for Blitzchex was set so high, though. Like, we had such detailed boards. Like, not every they were, they show were practically had practically animated. I mean. Yeah, like... Th these scenes I remember seeing in like the board stages and being like, oh my gosh. Man, this sequence right here reminds me so much of Super Nintendo Power Rangers when you're like, <laughs> defeating, you have to defeat the bosses. Like uh, when they're yeah. fighting him right here with the critical, oh my God. And the, like the explosions, man, it just really yeah. brings me back. This, that, that, those explosions, they remind me so much of Contra. Oh yeah. Which... Again, showing my age, but <laughs> I love all the little references like that throughout. Yeah, yeah. gosh, the, the backgrounds in this episode are just so pretty. I, I want told, like prints. <laughs> I remember I told Dan, I was like, after every time he talks, you need a guitar squeal, because that's like what was in there, Simply the Night. <laughs> nice. That's you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> love those details. And I love this because like, and now the game is over. So then it was over. The end. It's like, um. Oh, <laughs> see, that's where I would be different. I'd be like, if the credits don't play, the game's not over. In, in that game, they did roll the credits. Like, if you didn't know yep. that there was a whole second half of the game, you wouldn't. I mean, you just didn't know. You know oh, wow. It's crazy. That's nuts. Yep. And that's what happens. It like literally turns. What? Well, you'll see. I don't want to spoil it for the viewers. I'm sure they've already seen. There it. I am. Did you guys see it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. These kids have been missing for like days, and like yeah, no I one's know. really questioned it. Like, <laughs> like, don't think like, through the logic. <laughs> don't think through the story logic. <laughs> Parents are like, they're fine. They're just I love that gag. It's like, <laughs> oh, I have such Torch a story Torch about that gag. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to tell it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can't tell us you have a story and then no, not tell the story. We had to, it was like someone requested that gag and then we sent it to get approval. And basically they were like, wait, that looks too inappropriate. So we had to just like kind of adjust it. But we ended up keeping it in the end is all that matters. <laughs> it was, so it, it looks like it's more there. on top than, <clears throat> you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Got it. Let's just say that design went through a few rounds of approval. <laughs> Fun with SMP. This is, I, I, I love this stuff um, in terms of story or character development and how they have to value each other's the very things that they were annoyed by earlier, you mm -hmm. know? Totally. Yeah. And that's what I love about like Miko and five. They just have such a amazing dynamic together and you just love them. Like you just love them together. It was just amazing. They're always getting to such crazy adventures. 
it was important that they, they you know, complement each, each other. Exactly. Um, oh my gosh! I love that. So awesome. this is... must have been insane for you guys. So <laughs> you we honest? had to, we had to literally <laughs> just, redesign. I... We had to redesign <laughs> the castle upside down. Yeah. And when the, when it flipped in the animatics, we were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is when I got cursed out, or when I it was more like a, a friendly like. Um, thank you for the challenge, um, but also, I am not going to go to sleep for a week now. Yeah, like also, <laughs> thank you so much. We're going to spend forever but doing. It, that's yeah. the game, man. That's, that's literally what happens. You. you go to the same castle, yeah. but it's upside down. Like it's, you, it's perfect. I mean, it's so, and this stuff is designed from the beginning to be upside down. It's per. I mean, you guys did such a good job on this. Yeah, our our BG team really killed it on this episode. Like, yeah, Caesar, uh, Eric, Caesar Martinez, Eric Pay, and I think. Alex, um, yeah, there was just a lot of people did a lot of work for this episode. There's the chest. Yeah, and the magical spork. And that was my note too. Like <laughs> Dan was asking like, what is a Metrovania? Cause I kept saying Metrovania, Metrovania. It's like, you gotta, you gotta be able to get somewhere you couldn't get before and backtrack. And that's, you guys got it in there. You, you got that, you totally wow. did it. It's great. <laughs> All midnight. your beautiful candles there, Katie. <laughs> I remember Dan being like, what does that mean? And I was like, don't think too hard about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> and I think that sold him. <laughs> no, it, 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 weird. it fits though. Yeah. That shot, it's cool. So simple, but so cool. Those, uh, I love those pants. Those pants. <laughs> I just want those pants. <laughs> Anybody wants to cosplay? Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, so fun example, when, when the room turned purple, we had to recolor everything in purple. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Isn't that just taking a purple marker and just kind of, isn't that, isn't that, that I mean, you can talk to our color stylist. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah, a purple that's... button nowadays, right? It's yeah. a purple button. Yeah. Right next to the animate button. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's again, such a common question. Well, the computers do it Rutgers. nowadays, right? Uh, <laughs> no, it's so much work. <laughs> Like you guys just... don't actually draw it, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love this gag. <laughs> she loves like... kids. I don't think they, I don't think people realize how alive the project becomes once it's colored, or that that how integral that step is to bringing yeah. it to life. I feel like it's sort of taken for granted, you know. It's it's yeah. all mood, you know. It's and all it just, like it adds so much. It adds yeah. emotion. It adds yeah, mood. Yeah, perfect way of saying it. <laughs> I love that <laughs> that bit right there. <laughs> oh my god, the effects! I've already shouted him out last time I did this, but Tony Unser, man, he kills it with the effects. <laughs> that. that's, that's a good gag too it's just like mimicking exactly what she saw oh little zelda action there yeah so i'm curious say, I'm a big I, zelda I, nerd. I haven't played this uh before but the statue when you when you the the game logic of the statue being connected to nogrog is that from something I mean, I there's a there's a character in Castlevania that's Medusa, but that's I think that's it, right? I think I, I don't I don't think we pulled it from the game itself. I don't know. 
I don't know where we pulled that from, honestly. Um, I think we just thought it would be cool. Uh, <laughs> if, okay. You know, just blasting him didn't kill him, but you've got to kill the totem of the item that he's sort of most proud of, I guess. And he's a guy who's full of himself, right? And who loves his own beauty. So destroy the statue of himself and you destroy him, you know? That's sort of the clever twist on it. Huh. But I'm sure it's been in like a million shows <laughs> and, mm. and books and probably something out of Lord of the Rings or something. I can't remember the reference. Yeah, but it's the execution of it though. Yeah. That makes it original. You're always it's borrowing inspiration. Mm-hmm. amazing also, also shout out to sound and music in this oh my oh gosh. my i was just about to say that it just really hypes you up man yeah this is so is, involved this is all yes. um oh my gosh give me a sec my brain <laughs> I'm, I'm my brain is oh uh brad Breek. brad Breek did all the music brad that's right oh my god <laughs> <laughs> best part coming up one of my favorite gags <laughs> we okay <laughs> one of my favorite um so for those poses that we did at the end we initially had one where five and miko were throwing garbage on top of Vergie, and i think we sent it to snp and snp was like that's too mean so we had to we had to redo it because like i i don't know but like there's the one where they're like on a ship together with Vergie, so that was originally like five and miko just dumping a giant thing of trash on Vergie's head oh my gosh <laughs> And it that's was just like cruel. literally, uh, yeah. And SMP was like, "That's that's too mean, guys. We can't do that." So, so we just made it them like pirates with Bergie instead. I do like it's pirates with Bergie. It feels like, oh look, they're going on some like just dumping dump- trash on him. Like <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna like literally dump on our friend while he can't move. <laughs> oh man, so good job, everybody. And man, so he, again, that episode's great. Just super super tight and actually i wanted to ask too like how long do you get to write the episode from coming up with like the initial pitches to like various drafts and all of that here's how the process basically went um we would uh come you know obviously come up with a story and break and re-break and it was a lot of um a lot of focus on the design of the script before you go to scripting you know uh like Gabe mentioned, the you know, making sure that the story tracks for the the characters' journeys, and like I, we did, we did, we spent a lot of time on on outlines, um, and then finally, when it's time to script, they're like, okay, now you have like three days to write this. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it works, you know. Uh, at least, at least you know it works. Like the structure's there, right? Well, so. and that's what makes it. It's such a testament to the design phase being so critical. Um, and I'm, so I was a computer science major before I ever became a, a writer. And the one thing that I took away from uh, computer science, the one thing that my, <laughs> the one my parents say, hey, why do we spend all that money on that uh, degree that you, <laughs> you don't use anymore? <laughs> I was like, no, the thing that, we, that I do use was design, design, design before you code. And it's the same application here. It's outline, outline, outline before you get into write because then the writing flows super free. And now you're in a place where you're basically improvising with yourself 
to find the dialogue, but you're, you're on the rails, you're on the tracks of the story that you worked so hard to make sure maps as a really satisfying and surprising adventure. Because it, it needs to be, of course, both of those things. It needs to feel, at, in the end, both, wow, that's totally how I saw that going. I feel good about where that went because I saw that coming, but also, oh my God, I, I didn't expect it to happen that way. And that's the challenge in writing anything well. And you only get that, I think, when you design, unless you're like a savant. And I, I know that there's people that do that can just take a blank page and go. It's just definitely not me. And not when you're doing something so collaborative like this, where so many people are contributing ideas and you have to really put the time in, into the design before you take it to script. This one's tough too, because it's like, there's not an A or a B story, right? So it's just, they had two different journeys, but it's all an A story, so. It's pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much all an A story. So yeah, there's nothing to like cut away to. There's nothing to like chill the tension out to like a quick little dialogue scene or something like that. So you really have to avoid feeling boring or just kind of like A to B to C to D, you know, like it. So really it was the emotional journeys for the two of them that had to really like that's where the surprises come from, right? Is ultimately when your characters are, are surprised, when Miko is surprised that she never beat the game, you know, and when they, they're surprised that they, you know, that the stupid broken sword that, or bent sword that five is just OCD has to keep with himself is actually <laughs> useful. Those are the things that you really need to, to figure out where to plot emotionally before you get into the, the draft. That's in order to write guys, something in three days. It, you, guys also jump, you guys also jump around too. Like, you know that you're going there, right? And then you can put that in the beginning where they're, they're playing a game together and she's giving them for not being another game, right? You know, like that helps pay all that stuff off, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, you always think about where you want it, want it to go and then like, you know, placing the seeds or planting the sort of seeds earlier and trying to do it in such a way that it's not so obvious, right? That you're not going oh, he got a bent sword and oh, that's so obviously going to be a thing they use later. Try to keep it a gag in the moment, a character gag. So it just feels like, oh, that's just a funny thing. Like, ugh, you know, high five. He just does that. And Miko's like, ugh, like why bother? And it's just like just a character moment between them. But then later it becomes the tool that they use to spin the whole castle. So yeah, it's like, that was the cool thing about this project is I felt like it wasn't just like, we weren't really like siloed. It was very collaborative in the sense that Ideas can come from anywhere, anybody, and find their way into the script. It, it, there was like a sort of a, it was just like made the best sort of idea win. And there was no like pride or anything behind it. It wasn't like I wrote this or I thought that or whatever. I can't even remember, honestly. How, like I, you guys are giving me credit for a lot. And then, you know, in the end, I'm sure Dan's like, no, man, I wrote that. <laughs> it's just because in the end, you just kind of, you know, you're bouncing so many ideas off each other all the time and the scripts go through so many iterations and then the borders get involved and then everybody, you know, and everybody's contributing ideas and the scripts get rewritten again. And then like Ricardo was saying earlier, then you guys get in the room and you guys improvise and you plus the lines and, and then there's pickups after you guys, you know, it's like mm -hmm. there's so many versions of making this story before it becomes the story that you see. It's interesting the way that things work in animation so differently from live action. This was my first show I worked on in animation and seeing that progress of 
yeah, like you're saying, like from the writing to the boarding to the voice acting and like even to the very end, I remember when the show first came out on Netflix and we did a viewing party at my house and we were watching the episodes and I was like, oh, they tweaked things even after I had left. Lines would change, things got swapped around and it's like things are really just being kind of tweaked up until the last moment in all stages in animation. Yeah, and then that speaks to sort of Dan and Eric's ability to sort of bring it all together and, you know, make it cohesive. Even though it hundreds of cooks in the kitchen in, in a certain way, those are the two guys that really made sure that it, in the end, was this specific show. And they're really the guardians of the tone of the show. And I think that's part of why I think it resonates with people is because this just feels so unique and awesome. So this is me basically saying, Dan and Eric, please hire me again. That's why I'm just <laughs> fluffing them right down this moment. It's like, hire, hire all of them. Yeah, and, and Ricardo, <laughs> I wanted to ask you too, when you're reading scripts, when you're going through it, because voice acting, it's not just, I'm just going to do a voice in front of a microphone, we're done. No, you're putting a lot of emotion. It's acting, so you're putting all the emotion mm. and energy and everything into it. What's going through your head as you're going through a script for animation? Well, it's, it's very interesting because I really do rely on Eric and Dan, you know, kind of telling me exactly what emotion I need to be feeling at the moment or exactly the context, because I mean, I can say a line and it could be completely off if I don't understand what the context is. So um, I really do rely on them, but it's just so cool being in the studio because I mean, Eric and Dan are just seriously, they're so, they're so nice and they're, uh, they're really supportive and they give me the context and they, and like I said before, they allow me to improv. And it's just so, I love that, you know, creative ability to be able to do that in the studio, especially because, you know, High Five's Hispanic and um, he speaks Spanish and I speak Spanish. So like getting to throw that in there too, you know, like vamonos or esperate, stuff like that. And um, it just adds, you know, more of that flavor to High Five, which I just really love. Glitch Sex is, has been, and it actually was my first ever animated show to work on too. So it was just, I mean, talk about the best first experience for animation ever. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And no pressure there. It's just like, yeah, first one, or go, go do it. <laughs> yeah. Go, go carry this, this show, man. That's it's amazing. Yeah. I just remember really like does. the audition, I went in and I read everything in English. And I remember Eric, he read my name, uh, Ricardo Hurtado. And so he was like, wait, hold on, do you speak Spanish as I was leaving? And I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, okay, go back in there and do some Spanish. So that's, and I think that's what ended up getting me the role of my first animated audition, like voiceover audition. And it was just crazy. And it's do been you, a wild ride. I have a question. Do you do the Spanish dub for Netflix or is that someone else? No, it was someone else. It was someone else. Oh, okay. I mean, I, if I had known that that was like a thing, because I didn't even know that was a thing, I would have totally requested it, but Oh, I also no, don't it, know that we, any of us knew that it was going to be on Netflix, right? For, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, because at the time it was originally just slated just for Nickelodeon and that came later, yeah. which I feel like it worked out really well though, because, you know, you have such a broad audience. So mm. now that it's on Netflix yeah. and Nick, you're just reaching so many more people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And, and look, Ricardo, I'm glad you beat me in the audition, man. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> I think it would have been a much worse show if I was high five. <laughs> I'm sure it would have been amazing with you. Well, my Spanish is, uh, you know, fifth grade level, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Oh, that's great. So yeah. Donde so... esta la biblioteca? That's pretty much all. Oh, that's God. what I retained. Wow, no. Hey, that would have been that would have been good for this episode. <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. La biblioteca esta aquí. <laughs> Man, I but took Japanese. Like, I got nothing. <laughs> I took French, which was totally useless growing up in yeah. Texas. It's like, yeah, that, I know. <laughs> I feel like French though is at least I don't know. Like again, like Japanese, I literally like just took so I could like watch anime without subtitles because I was like a nerd. <laughs> I figured and I just going like... to France and eating. So I was like, well, if I learn French, then when I go yeah. to France, I can just eat my way through. Yeah. The I thought I was gonna like live in Japan and be like the world's greatest mangaka when I was like 15 and it's like nah dog oh that's not happening I feel that <laughs> was, there's still time there's that still was time, also Katie. a dream that I, I had don't know been. about that <laughs> I feel like every teen had that dreaming of becoming a mangaka moment yes, I, yes. I, we, I and then I realized I could not draw very well actually a girl in my Japanese class literally saw me drawing once and was like you're bad at drawing oh. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean wow. we were like 15 years old but I definitely remember being like well I guess this dream is dead oh gosh <laughs> did no. she say it in Japanese though uh for, no for she she oh. just said it like it in outright language. Language. <laughs> like an LA Valley girl like you're really bad at drawing <laughs> Jeez, and I was cool. like thank you so much for crushing my self-esteem I will take note of that <laughs> So the models, no, don't tell this to people, you guys. We need more artists in the industry. Yes. Don't tell and that. female don't artists as well. Uh, yeah, I know. I kept drawing. I also, draw. don't believe them when they tell you that. Yeah, I yeah, know. Don't Especially let that get when, you down. Yeah. Especially if they're not even speaking the language you're supposed to speak yeah. in the class. It's like, and on, man. <laughs> even if you don't end up drawing, there are still many jobs in the animation industry that don't require drawing. That's right. And they're important as well. Yeah, so guys, so thanks again. This has been really awesome. So we'll just go down the line again. So Gabe, what new projects are you working on and where can people find you online? I am currently working on Animaniacs for Hulu at Warner what? Brothers. Uh, yep, and- uh, Oh my God, can I sneak in to your backpack and- <laughs> oh, Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blast. And um, you can find me on uh, Twitter at gabe.swore at Twitter and also Instagram. I'm posting all the time. So you can see my stuff there or reach out and ask questions about Animaniacs, whatever. So very awesome. And Ricardo, what do you have going on and where can people find you? Yeah, I actually just wrapped my new Netflix original sitcom called Country Comfort. So that'll be dropping probably next year at some point. And uh, you guys can follow me on Instagram at Ricardo. Very cool. And Katie, how about you? Yeah, so I was on a show called Battle Kitty, created by Matt Lazell, Netflix original animated show. And I am currently on another Netflix animated show called My Dad, the Bounty Hunter, uh, which is being created by Patrick Harpin and Everett Downing. And those shows should be coming out in like the next year or two. Like I want to say like 2020, 2021, 2022. I can't, I don't know exactly. And uh, I'm always so embarrassed by my handles and they need to change and I'm sorry. You can find me on Twitter at Lady Katie Shags, I think. And my Instagram handle is Katie Shag Nasty. My last name is Shaughnessy. I made these handles when I was in college. I am sorry. These don't need to be on the podcast. You can you can take, Katie, take these I think out. You need to say these names again, but with pride. Yeah. Say them with pride, girl. 
Oh, my, my dumb 18-year-old self. Lady Katie Shags and Katie Shag Nasty on Twitter and Instagram. There Please you go. go follow me for no content. <laughs> I will follow um, you for that handle alone. <laughs> yeah, and Sandeep, how about you? So you could see some of my writing next on the Twisted Timeline of Sammy and Raj, which is a, actually, I don't know where that's going to be because it's a Nickelodeon international show. And I wrote an episode on that, which is super fun. I also create and direct stuff. The latest thing I did was an interactive series. So it's a show that you can play and it's called Wizard School Dropout. It's about a wizard school dropout. (laughs) And really fun. You get to play as a wizard and make choices for that wizard. And the choices that you make actually ultimately sort of decide what type of wizard she is. So you can check that out at echo.com slash WSD. And... My handles, not as cool as Katie's. I don't have Sundeep Shags. That was taken. So it's just my name, Sundeep Parikh, at Sundeep Parikh. If you can spell it, then you have earned the ability to follow me. (laughs) I like that. I like that added layer of difficulty. It's like, if you can pass this, then yes, welcome Welcome in. One more thing. I'm streaming on twitch.tv slash effing funny. That's E-F-F-I-N funny. So that's kind of... Katie Shags worthy. <laughs> not gonna live this down. Just keep. No, you're not. No, and you're on more episodes. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Happened twice now. Yep. There. That's it. That's all my things. Awesome. Thank you, Cindy. And thank you, everyone. Just again, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and I know that everyone's gonna enjoy listening to the show and hearing all the cool behind-the-scenes stories. So until next time, everyone, we will see you later. Thanks again. contained.